welcome to another episode of Interactive Control, the place to get all your burning industrial control questions answered. I'm your host, Michelle Rosinski. Today we'll be discussing parts management with my guest, Brad Shockett. Brad is currently the global aftermarket parts leader for Nexus Controls, where he helps end users to minimize downtime related to failed components. His past roles include 10 years as a senior project manager specializing in nuclear control system upgrades and four years as a package systems engineer designing cabinet enclosures. Brad has a bachelor's in electrical engineering from the University of Nevada, Reno, and an MBA from Colorado State University. He is also an active project management professional. In this episode, we cover part strategies for mitigating your operational risks. Let's listen in to learn on. Hi, Brad. Thank you so much for joining me today on this episode uh, where we will be talking about parts and specifically strategies around parts to help mitigate risk. And so to get us kicked off, I'd like to ask about your background and how it relates to our topic of parts. Sure. Thanks for having me. Um, my background, I started out as an engineer. Uh, I had about four years where I was a package systems engineer working on hardware inside of our um, enclosures, working with the hardware. And then I worked for about a decade doing project management on nuclear control system upgrades. So going out to customer sites and understanding what, you know, high, high uptime uh, is, is so important to them. And then most recently, I've spent about three years as the global aftermarket parts leader for Nexus Controls and just really trying to help our end users minimize their downtime. And like you said, it's all about risk versus cost. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, well, I would say that that background qualifies you to be here talking about this with us today. So that's exciting. Um, so, you know, we're going to be talking about parts. And I guess my first question is, why should our listeners care? Yeah, so everything is going to fail eventually, right? Whether it's electronics or whether it's a, a moving component, um, it, the thing is going to break down and, and fail eventually. And that's when you have risk of downtime, essentially. Um, it depends. Different units have different um, you know, risk appetites for that downtime and, and balancing that with, with upfront costs. So, you know, just making sure that, you, you know, each business has a plan for when those eventualities come along and a component fails, what's going to happen? How long are you willing to accept that downtime? And what, what do you need to plan ahead for? That makes sense. And like you said, I mean, it's complicated because every equipment or unit has a different criticality that people need to you know, be aware of and decide how they want to respond in the event that something is going on with that equipment, right? Exactly. It, it's not a one-size-fits-all answer. Each each business, each unit has to think about it for themselves, right? Are you a, a peaker power plant where downtime is acceptable, right? Or are you in a, a you know, a process-critical application where the whole plant's going to be down and you're going to be losing a lot of money every hour, um, that, that that unit's not running, right? And so each business has to figure that aspect out for themselves um, in that case, yeah. 
Yeah. And even with a peaker, sure, you have a lot more potential downtime, but you want to make sure you're in control of when that downtime is occurring and that it's not occurring during the peak time when you would be, you know, making your money. Mm -hmm. Yep. Very true. Okay. So that makes a lot of sense. That's a great, um, you know, uh, makes sense to me why you want to care about parts. Um, So then I guess, assuming everybody is now on board, they know they need to care. What are some strategies around parts that can help mitigate the risk? Yeah, sure. Um, I guess I'll, I'll start out with kind of the classic approach. The classic approach would be to have spare parts at each individual site, right? The the benefit of that is you're going to have them the least downtime. Those components are going to be available to you to replace whatever has broken in the system very quickly, right? That's that's the advantage. But that approach does have some downsides too. Um, one of those being that it's very expensive upfront. With every site buying components that they may or may not use, there's a lot of upfront cost. Um, there's other considerations too, like when you buy those components upfront, the warranty on those, that clock actually starts. And you might actually go and not use that component for the entire warranty lifetime um therefore essentially not e- not even using the, or, or gaining the benefits of that warranty so uh yeah just storage for long durations can have some downsides um there's also depending on where your site is located there could also be tax implications for storing those items year after year and paying taxes on what you have in inventory so that that's that's the classic approach um that is the most expensive approach and I guess the fastest way that you can replenish your your spares. Uh, but there is other options. Um, one of them for some customers, they have multiple sites, especially within the same country, um, where maybe you do a centralized spares storage for um, the, those components that you didn't don't need to have in hours, but you need, maybe you need them within a day or two. Right. And then you can um, not have as many overall because you can get the efficiencies of multiple sites having one uh, storage within that country. Um, I keep saying within country because what we have found as we ship components all across the world is one of the longest, uh, most, un, you know, I guess, unknown issues is, is customs. Right. How long does it take to get into mm. your country? Um, shipping itself is pretty fast. Customs can be quite slow. <laughs> yeah. So really, that's what to look for is is maybe not even a fleet level, but within country uh, seems to be the, the the critical point there. That makes sense. Yep. And then um, another one that uh, some some companies do, it would be like a vendor managed inventory. So, again, trying to uh, lower your risk that uh, maybe a vendor would keep that inventory for you. Therefore, you don't need to actually buy it up front. That warranty period doesn't start. That full cost of buying all those components, you don't have to incur up front. You actually only buy what you need when you need it. So warranty and lead time are a little bit better. Now, the the, uh, the overall lead time when you have a failure is going to be longer, right? Because that component may not, well, definitely won't be at your site, may not even be in your country. So those are more for the the parts that you need within a week or two, but you can't wait, let's say, a full lead time of many months before getting that component if it happens to not be in stock. So that's 
kind of uh, another option where the upfront cost is much lower, the warranty is retained, um, but you still keep that um, risk mitigation aspect of it with, with a vendor, vendor managed inventory. I see. Uh, a couple other things to think about when it comes to risk um, is as your system gets older would be another one. Um, obviously, things go obsolete, especially if we're talking about electronics. Uh, and, and to make sure you have a full understanding and, and that you're working with a, a vendor who understands what components are fully available. Um, as things go older, sometimes they're not new, available new anymore, but then there's other options like a remanufactured option, a repaired option. So that you can still definitely get that those components, but they might not be brand new anymore. And then after that, obviously they go fully obsolete and then your risk is, is growing and growing as to um, if that component breaks on your system, what, what can you do when it's truly no longer available? So, um, yeah, we have we have a, uh, at our business a couple of different options. Um, remanufactured, as I mentioned, which is a it's not a new card, but it has been fully tested um, and and backed up by our warranty that that card is um, going to work for you. That what we call a core, which is the the card that we get um, um, from other companies and store until it is needed. That comes from us. Um, so that differentiates it from a repair. A repair would be where you send us your broken card, we fix it, and send that exact one back to you. So that version is a little bit less expensive, but it's also uh, a little longer lead time because we have to receive the, the component from you first, as opposed to using the one that we have already. And um, what about, is there a warranty in the case of those items? There is, in both of those. Um, we. For Nexus Controls, we, we'd like to stand behind those uh, as much as we can. So we actually give those an, uh, a warranty that's six months longer than our new cards. Uh, our new Ooh. cards are a, a year. Those cards are 18 months. We just want to show that we we trust our workmanship and that we um, are going to stand behind those. So, yeah, they have an 18-month warranty on, on remanufactured and repair. Nice. Okay. Yep. Um, and then we have a couple other versions that are a little bit similar. One's called Exchange, which is where we will send you a remanufactured card um, up front, and then we want to receive that uh, broken card back from you uh, to, to put into our, our core inventory. Again, a little bit more ex uh, less expensive on that option because uh, we get a, we get a core back from, from the customer. So we're just trying to give lots of different options on um, you know, different price points, different risk levels, different lead times for customers um, on those non-new electronics. And then the last one we have is test and certify, which is just testing the card to make sure that it works. Um, customers like that one, especially if they've had components sitting on their shelf for a very long time, right? If they took that that classic uh, on-site spares approach and a card's been sitting there for five years, just to make sure everything is still good and then that card is going to work um, when the time comes that they need it. Okay. And going back to the repair versus the exchange, it sounds like these are similar, but one, the customer user sends in the item to be repaired and they get that same item back. Exchange, we send them a new item and then after the fact, they have to send the, you know, broken equipment in. 
Is that correct? correct. Exactly right. And then and then we use that because then for the next customer that comes along, then we have that core and we have that available to do the next customers, either remanufactured card or exchange card. Yeah. Now, what would be the advantage to the customer of doing a repair versus an exchange? Because it sounds like the exchange would be better because they don't have to wait for the part to arrive here before, you know, we get a good part out to them. Yeah, I, I mean, you're exactly correct. And it's the answer is price. A repair is less expensive than an exchange. Oh, okay, that makes yeah. sense. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Okay, and then the test and certify, that's if they've had a part maybe laying around for a period of time, they don't want to go to use it and find out that it's not working. So periodically they can send it in and have it tested. Yep, exactly, okay. exactly right. So now with all these options, are there, you know, things that a customer or user should be looking for in a vendor um, that's going to help them feel confident uh, in these options? Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, in, in this case, I'm really talking about like electronics and that sort of a, a repair vendor. But yeah, yeah the, that's the, a good the, distinction. Yeah, the, the first thing to look for would be like the quality, right? Like, is the company you're working with are they tied in at all with the original equipment manufacturer, right? Do they follow those procedures? Do they have that same test equipment that the cards were already built on? Um, other things to consider, are they like for the United States, are they ISO 9001 certified facility uh, showing that they have a basic level of quality standards that they're using in, in, their, in their facility and their procedures? Uh, another one would be for their test their technicians that are doing the testing of these components. Do they have any standardized certifications they're working to, like IPC 610 standards for workmanship? So there's some some questions you could ask of of the supplier, what, uh, just along the quality aspects of it. What what certifications do they have? What type of procedures are they using to make sure that that repair is done in a quality fashion. Um, so that would be the first one, quality. Uh, another one is just how old is this card that you're receiving, uh, you know, on the on the non-new electronics? Where did they get it from? Uh, has it been sitting around for years or decades? Um, because especially on some of the older components, you know, there's things like electrolytic capacitors, batteries, um, things like that, that do even just sitting on the shelf, they're going to go bad over time. And so does the vendor automatically replace those every, you know, every, on every repair? Or do they leave them if they test good at that exact moment, um, even though they would have a shorter life? So that would be another another thing to look at is just how old is that card and where, where are they getting those, the, those core unrepaired cards from? Is there any number of like years that it's like, oh, okay, well, that's a concern or is it like very across the board? It, it does vary. It depends on some of the subcomponents on the boards. Um, definitely more of a concern on older electronics than on newer ones. Um, but in our experience, those are the two main things to really look for. Electrolytic capacitors and batteries are gotcha. the two things that can essentially wear out even when not used. Okay. Yep. Um, Another thing to look for uh, specifically, this one is kind of on the GE electronic items. Um, it would be the the revision of that card. Uh, sometimes we call that the long part number. Um, 
it's the last two digits. It doesn't always appear, you know, written on the, the, the board itself, but there is actually two extra digits that shows the revision level of each card. And another question for your repair vendor is what type of repair are they doing? Are they going to repair that card at the exact revision level that it was received? Therefore, maybe it's not the latest and greatest because the OEM has deemed usable versions and non-usable versions. Um, so is that is that person is that um, company going to implement any like tills or component changes that the factory has deemed that they need for the reliability of that component? Okay, uh, that's and, that's and another question. Yeah. Some of this is, and you may have said this is specific for GE, right? Like the long part number, that and then is, yeah. tills. That's also terminology that is used, I think, with GE. Maybe not with others. Do you know what that stands for? I do not. <laughs> I do not either, but I bet I could look it up. <laughs> Technical information, information letters letter? or something yeah. like that, right? Yeah. So it's it's basically a notification that either there's an issue or there's a newer version or, you know, that re- making a recommend, recommended change, those types of things, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. That's correct. Yeah. Perfect. And other vendors may have other terminology that users may be familiar with. They, they do, and, and that's but really the exactly right. But the really the key is there: are they giving you the older version, or are they bringing that card up to the essentially latest and greatest version of that particular card? And and that that kind of brings me to the next point of of firmware. Also, you know, firmware verification um, and making sure that that stays on the repaired card in the uh, again latest and greatest fashion as approved by the original manufacturer okay perfect that makes a lot of sense a lot of good things that i would not have thought to look out for um so i think to just kind of recap some of the strategies for mitigating risk are having on-site spares and that one is the you know most reliable you have the spare right there in your hands in your control but it's can be expensive Mm -hmm. um and then you could have some centralized storage in country which makes it a little faster to get uh vendor managed inventory where the vendor keeps a storage of inventory for you but especially if you're in a different country then you could still see some delays in getting the part but at least you know it's available. You're not going to have to wait months that for it, the fact that it wasn't even in stock. And then there's all these non-new electronic options, right? So at Nexus mm-hmm. Controls, we specifically have remanufactured, repair, exchange, test and certify. Um, so I think that is a recap. Is there anything else that you would add around, um, you know, strategies for minimizing risk when it comes to parts? Uh, just one more. Um, when it when it comes to risk, one other thing that is becoming more and more important important every day is cybersecurity, um, and just really yes. protecting your electronics and your network from bad actors. Um, so, along those lines, we do have one offering which we call um, I think believe the industry term is like the critical digital assets CDA. Um, I know a lot of our, our nuclear customers have these requirements and, and it's growing every day, but really making sure that those electronics um, don't have anything malicious on them as the, before they even re- are received to site. Um, so 
again, kind of going back to your supplier and and questions there. You know, what is the the supply chain um, route that that card has taken? Um, are there any checks on that card to make sure that it doesn't have anything malicious on it? Uh, how do you, could you, would you even know if it would have been tampered with before you received it? You know, those sort of things. So um, again, around CDA, we do have an offering where we use our cyber secure processes and knowledge to essentially take those cards into our cyber secure location cage where they, they're under control, um, completely rewrite the firmware with a known good version, tape up that box with tamper evident tape, and then supply the customer with those numbers of the exact tape that's on that box. So that essentially we know that we put good software on those cards. We know that the box hasn't been opened between our facility and the end user's facility. Uh, therefore, we know that no one has, has messed with that software and they're good to be used. Oh, wow. So, yeah, awesome. Little, little, yeah, a little bit of safety on that one. <laughs> For sure. And I mean, cyber, we've talked about it numerous times on the show. It is a very important factor these days. Now, you're saying this program is something that you're mostly seeing with nuclear customers, but there's nothing stopping another type of customer if they wanted this. Absolutely. That's exactly correct. And again, it goes back to that that conversation of cost versus risk, right? Doing this, these extra steps does take more effort on our side, so there is a, a premium charge for it. But you're correct. Anyone who is concerned um, about where those, you know, where those cards were, were manufactured or what happened to them in transit, this is absolutely a, an option uh, for them to to invest in. Yeah. Yeah, and I could see this becoming more popular even outside of nuclear as we go forward and cyber, you know, becomes even more of an issue potentially. So that makes a lot of sense. Um, all right. So I think that covers the different strategies. And I think in, you know, on this topic, in general, we try to be as vendor agnostic as possible. On this topic, obviously, we have to get a little bit more specific on what we offer. Um, so we've touched on that a bit. But I always like to kind of give my last question as, you know, what can Nexus controls do? So is there anything you would add in terms of what Nexus controls can do specifically to help customers mitigating their risk with parts? Yeah. So, I mean, along with our, our Nexus Encore parts that we, you know, build and 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 have developed ourselves, we're also, and an, uh, we work, you know, directly with the OEMs of GE and Woodward, right? We're selling authentic items of theirs and also, um, as we were talking about all those non-new electronics, um, we are the only company out there that is using the exact test beds that were developed on those older GE cards. We are using GE procedures. We are always taking the latest information from GE themselves um, as far as we're repairing those cards. Uh, so that's that's why we need to. Add, if you're working with other vendors, you need to make sure you're getting the best quality product. Um, you know, you know, you're always going to get that from us because we are um, that that OEM for those those components. Uh, same goes with Woodward, um, as we are, uh, you know, a distributor of, of authentic Woodward parts, and and working with them directly on on return on repairs. And um, 
really the other thing is, is is just our knowledge. I mean, we have amongst our team of of experts, we've got at least a century, maybe centuries of experience. Mm-hmm. We have we have many people that have been around for a very long time and know not only the new stuff, but even the old stuff. I mean, on the electronic side, we've been uh, you know, we commonly repair electronics going back to the 1970s uh, when it comes mm. to more mechanical components, like in the hydro space. I think our record was 1917. We had a component that wow. lasted about 105 years before it finally failed and we were able to get them a replacement. That's uh, impressive. So, yeah. So really knowing, knowing the older the older stuff um, well yeah. to, to get you the right solution. Yeah, and I, I think it's a, you know, going back to what you're saying about being the, you know, um, approved vendor for the OEM, you might find some of these parts on eBay and it might be a lot cheaper, but what are you getting and who's going to help you when you have a problem with that part? Sure, exactly. And it's and again, when we're, when we're talking about risk here, there's no point in going halfway. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you want to make sure that thing works when you when you truly need it and your unit is down. Yes. So, yep. Um, other things we had, we had talked about the van, vendor managed inventory. We do have an offering for that. Um, ours is called PartSmart. Um, we do stock our components in Colorado, in the United States, um, for that. So that's that's why I feel like PartSmart is a great supplement to either on-site or in-country spares. Um, like I said, where a three-month lead time is not going to be acceptable, but we can get that card. Um, if you're in the United States, we, we will ship it in less than 48 hours. If you are not in the United States, we will have that available for you to pick up in less than 48 hours. Then we've got the, like I said, the custom time, which is a little bit variable. But again, you should have that component in, a, in about a week or so. Um, so for those items that are maybe a little less critical, or perhaps instead of stocking three of something on site, maybe you only need one on site, and then you do part smart, and you know that you'll be able to backfill that one part mm. very quickly every time. Yeah, that sounds like a best of both worlds kind of approach. Right. It's kind of kind of a hybrid um, sharing the risk uh, across that. So a little bit on upfront on site, but less than you know stocking everything on site. So yeah, yeah. Part, part smart is available uh, to our customers, uh, and then as we've talked about the the CDA, that critical digital assets uh, testing for, and uh, making sure that those electronics are cyber secure, it is another offering that we do. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a lot of good options for our customers. Um, and so if if somebody wanted to contact our parts team. We have an email address, controlparts at bakerhughes.com. Um, that will be changing in April. We are being purchased, so we'll get another uh, email address out there at that time. But for now, this controlparts at bakerhughes.com. Um, is and that is, that is one email address. Anyone in the world can use that. It does go to our global team, and then we will kind of disposition that, and you'll be working with someone locally in your region. Uh, to help help get you a quote for whatever you need. Awesome. Perfect. Well, I think that's it for today. So I think this one was a, a nice, short and sweet one. Um, do you have anything else that you wanted to add? Nope. I, I think that's it. I appreciate the conversation on, uh, yeah, 
balancing the the upfront cost versus the risk when it comes to to electronics and and moving components. Thanks, Michelle. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for some of your time today, and we really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. Have a great day. Thanks, everyone, for joining me for today's episode of Interactive Control, where we discuss part strategies for mitigating operational risks. We at Nexus Controls hope you found this discussion helpful. If so, please subscribe to our podcast and tell all your control friends about us. You may also want to check out our website at nexuscontrols.com, where you can learn more about our parts management capabilities. Lastly, don't forget the title of this podcast is Interactive Control for a Reason. If you have a topic you'd like us to cover that we haven't yet, or if you'd be interested in being a guest on our show, please send me a message over LinkedIn or email, and we'll do our best to cover it in a future episode. Thanks again, and bye for now. Thank you.